speaking with Emmy winner Trevor Morris, who is also one of my favorite composers. Uh, Trevor's amazing projects include The Tudors, The Bourgeois, uh, Pillars of the Earth, Immortals, Olympus Has Fallen, the recent film Brick Mansions, and the hit series Vikings, among many others. Uh, Trevor, so great to speak to you again. Thanks so much for uh, speaking today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Vikings, uh, let's jump, jump right into Vikings, uh, just wrapped its second season and was recently renewed for a third season. Uh, what's that feeling like, you know, as a p person working on a show with a team of people, when you get that renewal kind of news, you know, that your show gets to keep on going and you get to continue to expand your work? How did you kind of react to that? You know, it's always a gratifying thing. It's, it's such an enormous amount of energy to get it on its feet in the first year mm -hmm. and then to have it picked up for a second season, you feel like you can finally you know, bring those ideas to, like, the next level. And then for a third season, it's just like having, you know, an old friend come visit again. And it's um, it's just a great energy, and it's good for everybody because, you know, you kind of really find your groove after a while, and, you know, it's it makes it easier to sort of work within the show and, and you know, stick with things that were working but also innovate a little bit, right. feature stuff. And, you know, you don't, you don't get to do that in the first season of anything. It just doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So... You know, for me, the idea of season three is exciting. I've already got new ideas on where I want to go with the music. So, so and it's not your first time kind of chugging through a big TV series. And uh, so are, are you really actually kind of coming up with ideas even before the season takes place? Or do you kind of wait uh, for, a, you know, a finished episode or a script to kind of land in your hands? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, I have some ideas now, but I usually wait to get the scripts, which will be coming in shortly. And um, I read through the scripts and figure out where the short arcs are, where the long arcs are, like where our heroes are going, where our characters are going, uh, not only episode by episode, but over the course of the season. That right. will usually dictate for me where the story is headed. And uh, how do you, how have you found your music kind of evolving, at least for Vikings specifically? I mean, uh, how has it changed from season to season? You know, it's funny you should ask that. Season one was really hard on me in particular, and I think that... It's no one's fault. It was just a tough score to crack the code for. Mm -hmm. At the end of season one, I was I was very proud of the score. You know, don't get me wrong, but I never felt like it was quite clicked the way I wanted to. In season two, I feel like I finally made the score that I always wanted to make for Vikings, which was just this visceral, largely non-orchestral. I'd say 90% non-orchestral, maybe 95% non-orchestral score. Um, and I found a soloist who lives in Norway, a true Viking uh, named Einar Selvik, who's my, my little secret weapon. And, you know, some more ethnic instruments of the Norse era and area, um, along with some synth elements. It just, I don't know, the blend finally clicked for me this season. So I'm really happy with that. And, you, you I mean, you have kind of uh, made a really big name for yourself kind of doing these kind of uh, period uh, dramas and, and series, including the Tudors. Uh, how do you nail down that sound? Like, where do you look for for inspiration and for guidance? Do you kind of do your research on different instruments? Do you look at the different music of the the regions? I mean, how do you kind of find your sound? You know, it's funny. I sort of have done a lot of period stuff. It's it's not actually by design. It just sort of happened that way. But <laughs> you know, I'm I'm grateful for it. But you know, my my mo has always been the same from the Tudors on down, which is. I'm not a musicologist, so I and I don't think it would even be it would even do service to the show to be so co correct with the the instrumentation. I usually more as a more of a loose inspiration. I'll I'll look at what instruments were there, if if any that were recorded. What did music sound like? You know what what speaks to me. 
well, also a lot of the art and culture and, and, you know, it all informs my choices, but then I kind of free associate and go, okay, this is interesting to me. That's interesting to me. This is not, um, and try to make a new, you try to innovate to make something that's never really been heard before. I know everyone says, says that all the time. Let's make something that's never been heard before, but the, the spirit of it is good. You know, I think Viking season two sounds really unique. It's, it's its own particular tapestry of, of instruments. So, you know, research-wise and inspiration-wise, I kind of take it all in, and I just let what sticks sticks, and what falls to the floor falls to the floor. Wow! And and I, I you just finished you just finished mastering the soundtrack, I believe, and I always find that process so interesting. So, like, how do you, as a composer, look at your entire you know work for the entire season and boil it down to an album experience? What kind of process is that like? You know, it's actually easy in a way, because what I always remember, I was a huge soundtrack collector, still am a huge soundtrack collector, you know, almost geek kind of, you know, <laughs> level. And when I listened to a soundtrack CD of my favorite composers growing up, what I wanted to do was experience the movie all over again. You know, I wanted to start at the beginning mm-hmm. and kind of go through to the end. So <clears throat> my soundtracks are always in chronological order. They follow the the episode and the season's arc. And then really the hard part for me is whittling it down because I have so much I want to put on there. So I usually get the the maximum I can squeeze onto a CD, whatever it is, 79 minutes or something right. like that. It, I grade down to the second, and uh, there's always three or four cuts that didn't make it that I'm always heartbroken didn't get on there. But, um, you know, that's what I do. I follow the journey of the season. So the first cue in the CD is the first cue of the first episode of the season two, and the last cut is the last cue of the last episode, and and, uh, and it goes like that. Is that, is that a, a solo process, or do you consult other people to be like, hey, what do you think about this? Does this make sense? Or is this kind of like a, a focused solo process? It's mostly just me. You know, I kind of know what I want to do. I, I usually ask my assistants sometimes, because they're as close to the music as I am, if, they're, mm-hmm. if they had any favorite scenes, just because they're a little bit more objective than me. Right. And they'll say, oh, I really want, really want this one to be in there, and well, I agreed, and it goes in. But you kind of just sit there, and you sift through it, and um, and just, you know, you pick what resonates with you, and... and what stands on its own two feet is a good piece of music too. Oh, cool! And uh, you'll also be conducting some of your past work in an upcoming concert for TV Music uh, Score, which is going to be hosted mm-hmm. by the amazing John Berlingame, one of my you know inspirations. Uh, so, have you have you performed music live before in, a, in an audience setting like that? I have a couple times actually. I've been fortunate to sort of see my music take on the life of of live concert, you know, venues. And um, my first effort was two or three years ago in the Cordova Spain Festival, oh, right. which I conducted um, I conducted and performed. And then last year was in the, the Krakow Festival in Poland, where we performed again. I didn't conduct that time. Um, and then now at the upcoming score event in L.A., which I think is such a fantastic thing, and my hat's off to Michael Levine and everyone else who put that together, that we're just going to honor, you know, television music for an evening. And... Uh, you know, they have an Oscar concert now and all that stuff gets all the glory, but there's so much great work that has been done and is being done in television, and to have a night dedicated to its music, I think, is such a great thing, and I'm I'm so honored to be part of it. Um, so I'm basically going to rejig, you know, what we're doing for this particular orchestra, orchestration-wise, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of people involved, so we don't get two minutes, too much time up there. We get, you know, whatever, three or four or five minutes right. worth of music, so... Um, and just mentally preparing for that. Oh, that's that's gonna be exciting. That's uh, congratulations. That's gonna be 
an awesome night. <laughs> um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited as an audience member, as a fan, and uh, of course participate in it as well. I know. I love that there's a lot more concerts kind of happening recently, and it's been a, a, a real growth, I think, in at least the Los Angeles area that I've noticed, and it's just great for the fans, and I think to see you guys up there conducting, it's it's awesome. <laughs> but um, you also uh, scored uh, the recent film Brick Mansions, uh, starring the late Paul Walker, which seems like a film that would... I think push your sound in an era that we haven't heard uh, at frequently before. So, what was your kind of approach for this film and the story? You know, this was a, had enormous time constraints attached to it, mm-hmm. which is um, every job has some level of time constraint. This one was really enormous. Right. <clears throat> so we knew it was going to be an all electronic score. Um, it, it, you know, that brought. I mean, certain rules as a composer help you focus on your choices. In this particular case, was there was no live recording. We did some guitar and and uh, that kind of stuff. You know. So it was electronically driven modern score. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they wanted to stay away from dubstep and anything that would date it. They wanted something that was fresh and and sounded, you know, 2014, so to speak. So that was sort of the jumping off point. Um, the first thing that was that was told to me, and I kind of knew before they even opened their mouth, was that, you know, Paul Walker needs a tune. He needs he needs a melody, mm-hmm. because it is sort of a a, a sad send off in a way at the end. Um, his scene at the end which wasn't meant to be the end of his career. Obviously, mm-hmm. we didn't foresee that. So the first thing we did is sat down as a group and talked about what it should be, and I wrote it. It came out of me that afternoon, and I sent it to everybody, and they loved it. So um, there was good energy to start with that Paul Walker tune, which which basically closes off the movie and reoccurs three or four times throughout. That's a very emotively driven guitar kind of a, of a, of a thing, and I'm really happy with that piece. Once we had that, we just sort of started at the beginning and <clears throat> started going through it, and and creating a style and creating, you know, the, it's a propulsive sort of score. It's that kind of movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of Paul Walker doing what he does so well. Um, so, you know, on one hand, it's incredibly sad, but I'm so proud to have been, you know, the guy who did his last full movie too. So, you know, it's it's great. I'm, just, I'm happy to have been part of it. I mean, it, I mean, it must be tough to be in that position to be scoring, you know, someone's posthumous performance. And I mean, do you, when you, or writing that music, are you writing it from a different perspective and a different kind of, is there a different deeper layer of emotion to it? I mean, did you handle it differently than you would any other performance? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, there, there's a much deeper commitment to it and not just to make it good because it's it's for Paul Walker's last movie, but it, I mean, if you see the movie and you hear his theme, I think you'll know what I mean. It, it's mm-hmm. it's a little more deep, a little deeper, a little more emotive than normally you would score for a movie like this and at the end it's being cool Paul Walker you know, no spoiler alerts, but there's this scene with him just driving along and doing his thing. Uh, and you can tell the music is it's playing something else other than what's on screen. Mm-hmm. It's really playing, you know, his send-off. And right. so to answer the question is absolutely, we, we dug as deep as we could on that. Well, that's really great. Um, and I also noticed on your IMDb film uh, a movie called Mikhail de Ruiter. Is that your next project? Yeah, th- that's an upcoming project. They're shooting now. This is a director I've worked with many times um, from Holland, a Dutch direction named Rule. Rule's funny. He's amazing. He's one of my favorite guys to work with. He works fast. He's like a madman. <laughs> he's shooting this uh, the story of Mikko de Ruter, who's like the the greatest boat commander like of all time. Right. You know. So it's loosely like the master and commander of the far side of the world genre of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at the script this on my desk right now. <clears throat> I'm going to fly over to Amsterdam uh, in June to wow. go on set and experience the set and experience culture and look at the museums and absorb this part of the world that I don't know much about. 
um, so it's one of the great privileges of my job and the sort of projects that I get is to go and immerse myself in a culture and that I don't know anything about really and and get to know it and get to know what I think makes it work and aesthetics and feel and history and all that stuff. So <clears throat> we're going to start scoring that in the fall. I think we do orchestra closer to Christmas or something like that. But wow. it's great to work with a director that you've worked with, you know, probably half a dozen times by now. And there's a, a shorthand, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, that, that's the right word for it. There's a shorthand in how we speak. Right. So there's a comfort there. And I know this is a big movie for him and I really wanted to do it justice and we want to do an orchestral score or some choir and stuff like that. So I'm just entering that phase of, of going to read the script. I'm going to fly over to see him on set and come back and sketch some themes. It's, I'm really excited about it. Really excited about it. That's, I love hearing that at the beginning of your process too. Do you, do you, I mean, versus like, you know, brick mansions where you came into the last second, I mean, you do probably get a lot of ideas at the last second too, but do you enjoy more time like that starting at the very, very beginning before, you know, they even start shooting? I mean, if I had to choose, I would say yes. I mean, Brick Mansions had such, it's such a, there's actually an energy to that score that you only get by doing it that quickly. Right. So it's all, it's all instinct. You know, you look at the scene, you feel a tempo and you just, you go for it because that's how you get it done. There is no other way. Mm -hmm. um, with this, it's more intellect driven and more instinct driven and more, you know, thought out and and uh, you get to sort of really mull it over and and uh, sketch out a tune and live with it for a week and decide it's no good and sketch it again. I love that kind of stuff. It's great. You know, I mean, this will be a six month process for me scoring this movie, which is wow. kind of rare, really. Yeah, <laughs> you don't find that that often. <laughs> um, yeah, very seldom. But uh, before we go, before we wrap up, I do have to ask you: Are there any new wine discoveries that you'd recommend? Any new? Uh, <laughs> wines that you've found <laughs> wine discoveries uh, i'm always discovering more wines um <laughs> you know there's a trend in uh there's a trend in santa barbara wine country which is usually known for big heavy duty we call them fruit bombs you mm -hmm. know kind of really alcoholic wines there's a trend starting to make a lower leaner more european style and i had one um which was a Rhone style of wine but it's much leaner and much more earthy and not so fruity and it's a really delicious beautiful wine so there's a shift in style happening at least from my perspective away from the big over-the-top wine it's more you know concentrated like the Rhone Valley style uh -huh. so uh, I've been sort of exploring that you know as something new and, and I'm really enjoying it well, cool I think I have to try that out <laughs> mm. uh, Trevor thank you again so much for speaking today it's always a great pleasure to catch up and then see what you're doing and it's always so interesting thanks thanks again so much so it's my pleasure, man. I appreciate you having me, and uh, and uh, as always. So, thanks again.